Uh, thank you very much for the kind words. Um, and no, uh, the singing will never happen. We're trying to bring people into church, like bring them back. And if I sang, they would leave. That's what would happen. Uh, again, my name is Nate O'Brien. I serve on the Connections team here. Um, Pastor Kenny asked me in his absence, he's still on a well-deserved vacation, to give a little devotional or sermonette about the Lord's Supper. And so, for those of you who don't know, a sermonette is like a sermon, but smaller. So imagine, if you would, a Pastor Kenny sermon, but only about a third, or maybe a quarter. Not counting the prayer at the end, because he doesn't count that. So my goal, I've got two goals, and my hope I got one hope. So my first goal, I want to glorify God by reminding us of the significance of the Lord's Supper. Why do we do it? Why it's so important to us as a church family. My second goal is to resist the temptation of being long-winded. And so for those of you who know me, if this happens, proof of God's existence right there, just evidence of it. My hope is to help us all as a church gain a greater appreciation of Christ and the Lord's Supper by drawing our attention to a key truth and then tracing that key truth through Scripture. Uh, so that's what we're planning on doing. And for those of you who haven't been before, here before, uh, Pastor Kenny is the one usually up here. So, you know, he's coming back next week. Yes. Uh, and his sermons are longer. So that's uh, just a little different format for today. After I'm done, we're going to take part in the Lord's Supper, and I'll walk us through that. Uh, then we have a few more songs, if I remember correctly. To get us started, I want to get us really honed in on the key truth that we are going to keep with us throughout this whole thing. And so I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9, uh, verse 22. It is going to be on the screen, but if you have your Bible or even your phone with the Bible app, I want you to get used to, to holding that thing and, and finding where the books are if you, if you haven't already. So Hebrews 9. 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, this is found in the ninth chapter of Hebrews, and typically, if I'm teaching through a, a verse or a book, I would spend a lot of time giving you the context of the book, who wrote the book, to whom was the book written, and then a summary of the chapters that came before chapter 9, but I don't have time. So that's your homework, all right? Today I want you, to, in a study Bible, using the Google, uh, to look it up and, and get that background. And especially, I would like to challenge husbands and fathers to really take point on that uh, so that you can do that even tonight. In chapter 9, we're reading about the redemption purchased by Christ for his people, and so it's a most profound truth that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And I'm going to show all of us, hopefully by the end of this, how that ties into the Lord's Supper, what we are actually participating in. And so I want to start, as we begin our process, a brief journey through Scripture. I want to flip over to Genesis 3.21. So if you would do that, um, that's where we're going to get started. All right, Genesis 3, 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So just brief context. 
God had just finished creating everything, and it was perfect. It was good. There was nothing wrong in it. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're in paradise. They have one rule, and they broke it. And so now they have sinned. And sin is simply this. God gives us commandments, and if we break those commandments, that is what sin is. Uh, Sin is horrible because God is good. And when he gives a good command, and we do the opposite of that, as you can imagine, that's evil, that's sin. And what's God's reaction to sin? His reaction to sin is anger. The Bible says he hates sin, and he abhors sinners. He has an anger that builds up in him toward sin. But God is also rich in mercy and grace, and that combines with his righteousness, with his holiness, And so instead of taking that anger out on Adam and Eve, who deserved it for what they did, as you see in this verse, God made for Adam and Eve garments of skin. So we know that now in creation, the first death has occurred. An animal had to die so that that skin could be provided to Adam and Eve. God allowed that substitute so that his anger could be held back and not immediately poured out on them, giving them a physical and then a spiritual death. Does that make sense? And so we don't know how many animals that was. Could be one, could be a few, unsure. But we do know that, according to Romans 23, the wages of sin is death. Sin always leads to punishment. Sin always leads to suffering. Now, they were expelled from the garden, if you know the story. But the big thing to remember is that the blood of that animal had to be spilled Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Now this next bit, I'm not going to ask you to turn there because it spans a bunch of chapters. But it's in Exodus 19 through Deuteronomy 30. We're not even going to put it up. I'm just going to summarize. Time frame, you know. Now this whole period uh, basically is God unfolding his law to his people in the Old Testament. It's called the Old Covenant. There was over 600 rules that they had to follow. He was pointing out what would happen if they kept those rules, blessings, favor. What would happen if they broke them, if they sinned? Uh, It would be judgment. There would be persecution and suffering. Now, because his people sinned so much, he started what was called the sacrificial system. And basically all this is, is that instead of getting the wrath of God poured out on them, he allowed animals to be substituted in their place. So from sunup to sundown, just murder. Animals were dying left and right, bulls and goats and birds, for the sin of the people. And so in the temple, blood literally ran from morning to night, every single day, for almost 1,500 years, with some breaks in between. And so that was a constant reminder, a constant in-their-face reminder. I mean, God used the blood of those animals to hold back his anger that he should pour out. And so every day they saw it, they heard it, they felt it. I mean, they were involved to an extent in it. And so God's people had a horrific daily reminder of how heinous sin is. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Now this next verse you can turn to, it's in Luke 22. 
The Lord's Supper is verses 14 to 23. We're going to hone in on verse 20. So I'll give you a few minutes to get there. In verse 20, we read the following. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So he had just discussed with them the bread. And now he's moving to the wine, and he says that the cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And that's huge. All the things with the animals getting sacrificed in the old covenant. There was no end to that because our sin, I mean, they kept going and kept sinning and kept sinning, and that required ongoing death of, of millions of animals. There's no way out. Now, Jesus is telling them at the Last Supper, so now we're at the table, and he's saying there's going to be a new covenant, but it's not going to be with the blood of animals that is going to be required for sin. It's going to be my blood. So he's calling them to remember what he's about to do with them. And I mean, in real time, he's using the bread as a visual tool, the, the wine he is saying, when you see this, I want you to remember it. When I'm breaking the bread that has significance, I want you to recall it. When the wine is being poured out, I want you to remember why that is. He was pointing all of them to his crucifixion, which was right around the corner. Now, the new covenant would not depend on the blood of bulls and goats, but on the blood of Christ. And the new covenant would not depend on never-ending sacrifices of millions of animals, which would literally last into eternity, but it would depend on his once-for-all sacrifice of himself for his people. And so he was pointing them to a wonderful way out of this never-ending cycle. He was solving all the problems they didn't even know they had, and we're going to get into a few of those in just a minute. Overall, he was preparing them to come face to face with a gruesome reminder, with the crucifixion, that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And now we go to the crucifixion, and you can read about it in all four Gospels. And I would highly recommend that you just choose one and, and go through it. You can read how his body was broken, and most of us know the story. You can read about how his blood was poured out from the whip and the thorns and the nails. That was just the physical suffering that he had to go through, uh, which is excruciating. I mean, all the movies you can watch and the books that you can read about it, I don't think it really does it full justice. Um, it, it was horrible. But the spiritual suffering that he went through was even worse if you can imagine that. So all that anger and all that wrath that a good God has against sin, he had been storing up. At that point on the cross, he pours all of that onto Christ. So let me put it in perspective. For every sin that I commit, I earn for myself an eternity of hell because I'm sinning against an infinitely good God. And I've sinned, I don't know how many times. So that's an eternity of eternities of hell. And now you think about all the people that God that belong to God throughout all of time. How many eternities are we thinking about? Jesus Christ paid for that. All of that he somehow wore out. So the cup of God's wrath was poured onto Christ until there was not a drop left. 
And if you're thinking, you're like, how do you wear out eternity? And it's because of who he was, who he is. He is the God-man, the Son of God. He is Christ. He is a mighty God. Behold the power of your God that he could wear out that punishment until the punishment was done. And he did that. If you are his child, he did that for you. It's called the great exchange. This is the first part of that. So I should be standing in this place, and that should have been poured out onto me. But instead, he took my place. He took my punishment. He took my hell. All the hell that I should deserve for everything I've ever done, ever will do. Now, this scene, the crucifixion, it's like a, a picture that God has put up. It is his final explanation of two things. Number one, his hatred for sin. Look what had to happen because of how horrible our sin is. His own son had to go to the cross willingly in the worst possible way to show us how hard-hearted we are and how horrible our sin is. And we are often tempted to think very lightly of our sin. But when we look at the cross, we can't. We can't because the crucifixion is repulsive. It's disgusting. It's horrendous. It's miserable. That's our sin before a holy God. Now, the second part of that picture is it's a declaration of God's love for his people. So he's demonstrating with that same crucifixion how much he loves us, which blows my mind. Now, this scene really completes the lesson that we've been trying to learn that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Now we get to the resurrection, the good bits. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5.21, and let's get ready for that. Now, the resurrection, you know it. After enduring all the wrath of God towards sin for his people, all the physical suffering he had to go through, he rose from the dead three days later. And, and that's good news. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So once again, I think Paul really just nails it. Jesus suffered and died because of our sin. And so we want to think about that. That's our impatience, our anger, our desire for more than what God has given us, our jealousy for something that we don't have, our lies, our disobedience to parents. For every single sin, he offers forgiveness. For every single thought and word and deed that we had that was sinful, he offers forgiveness. For every single thought, word, and deed we should have said, we should have said it, we should have thought it, we should have done it, and we didn't do it, that is also sin, he offers forgiveness. He offers forgiveness for every sin that you can commit. There's no sin that is more powerful than our mighty Savior. He offers a new heart. He gives us a new heart. We become a new creature. Now I don't like my sin like I used to. I hate it. And I want to do more of what he says. He adopts us into the family of God. I mean, think about that. We were enemies of Christ. We were enemies of the Father, enemies of the Spirit. And now we're family. That blows my mind. I have no business being in his family. This is the second part of that great exchange. The first part, he steps in your place. He takes the punishment you deserve. That's called mercy. 
Now he puts you in his place and you get all the blessings and the righteousness that only Christ alone deserves. And that's called grace. And so this is what we celebrate. This is what we focus on when we're doing the Lord's Supper, when we're participating in it. Sometimes I'll admit freely, I'm not thinking about this. I'm going through the motions sometimes, and I lose track of how valuable this is. The Lord's Supper and baptism are two amazing gifts that God has given us to grow as believers. It gives us an increased faith. It gives us new grace. Now, for believers in the room, okay, he commanded us to celebrate this, and that's a beautiful command because it helps us. And so in just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate it together as a family. Now, I do want to ask you to do a heart check. The Bible does warn us not to participate if we have ongoing, unrepentant sin that we need to deal with. So there's going to be some time as we're moving to get the elements together um, where there's going to be some music playing where you can pray. And if you haven't confessed an unrepentant sin to God, I would say please do that before you participate. And if you sinned against somebody, even in this room, go to that person and ask them for forgiveness. And if they're not here and it's unrepentant, ongoing sin that you're engaged in with this person, I would even say don't participate until you've made peace with them. And then come back and participate freely. Burden relieved. So that's for us to think about as believers. Now, for people who are here who are not a member of the family of Christ, you don't believe, uh, you're not following him. For those of you who don't know Christ, this feast is not for you, and we will humbly ask you not to participate uh, because it is for the family. But my hope and my prayer is that you would see the need of your forgiveness for your sin, that you maybe even today recognized, oh no, I have sinned against God. I am guilty of that. I deserve a punishment for that. But I'm hearing that there's good news in Christ who came, who died, and rose again. And so if you repent, if you turn from your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ alone for your salvation, you can be saved today. You can join our family, and I look forward to celebrating this feast with you. That would be amazing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to transition now, considering everything that we just heard, into the Lord's Supper. So I want you to get up in just a second, get the elements, take them back to your seat, and then just hold on to them. Use this time as a time of prayer and reflection. Go before God, confess any sin that is ongoing, unrepentant, or even present, and prepare your heart and the hearts of your family. Pray with each other if you'd like. Um, once everybody has them, I'll come back up, and then we'll go through it, and we'll take it together. So I'm going to go ahead and, and get mine, and I want you to use this time to get yours, and then I will be back up. We've got the two tables here.